What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hey, Hoop Heads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Daily Thunder, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, At the Buzzer, and Cavaliers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, hoop heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. I mean, that game was really competitive down to the end. Um, the Wizards just lost a game to a really good Bucks team, so um, they like shot ridiculously well. So that's kind of a game that you just have to look back with and live with. Um, but yeah, so the Wizards just lost to the Bucks, one thirty-five to one thirty-four. Um, the Bucks improved their record to forty-two and twenty-four, and the Wizards dropped down to thirty and thirty-eight. I think that no, I th- that's thirty-six. Okay, <laughs> thirty and thirty-six. Um, the ESPN font is really small. <laughs> um, anyways, um, just to go over the Milwaukee Bucks stats coming into this game, um, they were fifth in the NBA in terms of point differential at plus five point eight. Um, their offensive rating was 7th in the league at 117.1, and their defensive rating was 7th in the league at 117 or <laughs> 111.3. Um, going over the overview and four factors, um, this was another really fun, like pretty fast-paced game um, with tons of offense, obviously. Um, 106 possessions for each team. That's like a lot higher than league average. Um, yeah, so the Wizards offensive rating in this game was 124.5, which is in the 83rd percentile. Like, that's a re- that's really, really high. Um, the Bucks offensive rating in this game was 127.4, which is in the 88th percentile. A lot of that driven from just absolutely ridiculous shooting. Um, the Bucks effective field goal percentage was 64%, which is in the 92nd percentile. Um, the Wizards were at 53.1, which is in the 45th percentile. Um, the reason the Wizards were able to stay in this game was because their turnover rate was only 6.6%, which is insanely good. That's in the 97th percentile. The Bucks was at 18.9, which is in the 11th percentile. Wizards' offensive rebound rate was 28.8, and the Bucks was at 29.8, both of those significantly above average. And then the Wizards' free throw rate was really, really high. Um, they got to the line 33.3% of their possession, or their shot shooting possessions, um, which is in the 96th percentile. And the Bucks free throw rate was at 23.6, which is still in the 74th percentile. But um, yeah, just to put that into numbers, the Wizards um, 
took 43 free throws in this game. Um, and some of that, like the effects of that did show up late with guys like Giannis, Antetokounmpo, and Dante DiVincenzo fouling out. Um, but yeah, anyways, um, so I want to go over some of the um, box score um, basic numbers. Um, Bradley Beal was awesome in this game. He had 42 points. Um, he played 39 minutes. It was actually minus eight when he was on the floor, which is kind of weird. Um, but he was 14 to 24 from the field, 11 to 14 at the line. So 42 points coming on 31 shooting possessions. That's really, really good. Um, Russell Westbrook had 29 points tonight on 24 shooting possessions, 12 to 20 from the field, five, eight from the free throw line. That's really good. 17 assists. Um, yeah. Um, looking at the other guys, Anthony Gill, he gave some solid minutes. Um, sometimes he can be a mixed bag when he's out there, but he was generally for the most part solid tonight. He had 11 points, five, 10 from the field, one, two from three. Um, Davis Bertans had 13 points. Um, and those came on 12 shooting possessions, two or six from three. Um, and then Daniel Gafford at 12 points, only played 14 minutes. I'll talk about that later. Um, yeah. So looking over significant bucks, guys, Drew Holiday, I think is like the most underrated player in the league. Um, but he had 29 points, um, 10 to 20 from the field, five to seven from the free throw line, four of eight from three. Um, just a ridiculous player. Um, six assists, five rebounds. Um, and then like guarded Bradley Beal, like all night long. Um, and played 32 minutes. Um, Giannis only played 30 minutes. Coming out of the second night of a back-to-back, like last night, if you watched that game, like he was ridiculous. Um, he put in a ton of work in that game. I like he looked exhausted, if we're being completely honest. But he didn't have his greatest game. Uh, I think the Wizards actually did a good job of defending him, though. He had 23 points, um, eight of 15 from the field, seven of eight from the line, um, seven of eight from the line. Ah, good for him. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Um, Dante DiVincenzo only played 20 minutes, but he had 19 points, six of eight from the field, five of seven from three. Um, and then two of three, three from the free throw line. Um, coming off the bench, Pat Content at 16 points. Jeff Teague at 11 points. Like, Bryn Forbes at 14 points. Um, I guess, first of all, I do have to point out that there were injuries in this game. I want to put the Bucks full injury report um, on ESPN. Because um, I was really disappointed because early in the day, um, Chris Middleton was not on the injury report. And then they added him late. Um, so he was out because I was so excited to watch the Wizards play a full team. Um, Chris Middleton... Um, he had like knee soreness or something like that. Um, so he didn't play. Um, Axel, the Bucks didn't have Axel to pain. Um, yeah, not quite as big. I think he, who did he play for in the G League? I think he played for the Santa Cruz Warriors. But I like watching Axel to pain um, pretty much because he has a fun name and he wears like 66. Um, but anyways, um, was the injury report. I want to pull that up super quick. Obviously, they didn't have Thomas Ryan, um, Denny Abdia. And then Rui was out because of a non-COVID-related illness, um, which is kind of weird. But yeah, disappointing not to watch him play too um, because I have enjoyed watching his progress throughout the season. Um, but anyways, so the first thing that really, really stood out um, from this game that I definitely have to talk about is the Bucks three-point shooting. Um, it was insane. Like, they shot 48.6% from three. Um, the stat that I like to pull up when this happens is that Steph Curry in his unanimous MVP season on wide open threes shot 45.9% or eight, something like that. I think it's 45.9% on wide open threes. So if a team shoots higher than that, like that's pretty much just luck based. Like 48.6% is ridiculous. Um, just to go over who was shooting them for the Bucks, um, PJ Tucker, who only played 20 minutes in this game, was 0 for 1. Giannis was 0 for 2. Brooke Lopez, 1 for 1. Drew Holiday, 4 for 8. Dante DiVincenzo, 5 for 7. Um, Bobby Portis, 1 for 3. Jeff Teague, 1 for 2. Pat Connaughton, 4 for 8. And Bryn Forbes, 2 for 5. Um, so, like, you know, Dante DiVincenzo is making 5 of 7 threes, and Drew Holiday is making 4 of 8 on, like, relatively tough attempts. And, like, Pat Connaughton is making 4 for 8. 
like what you know you kind of just have to shrug your shoulders like you lose a game by one point and the other team shot 48.6 percent from three on 37 attempts like their three-point frequency um just to put it into a percentile like they shot 39 percent of the shots from three which is in the 66 percentile they made 48.6 percent of their threes which is in the 90th percentile kind of just have to shrug your shoulders at that like there's not much you can do about that um, but the way that like one way the Wizards stayed close again, like I said earlier, is with free throws. Um, they got to the line a ton, um, and a lot of that was because of really, really like great aggressive play from some of their main guys. Um, one of them was Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal got to the line 14 times. Um, he was just killing the Bucks coming off screens. Um, Brook Lopez, as good as he is as a rim protector, um, he's not great coming out in the floor against Bradley Beal. Um, the Wizards ran a lot of pretty like good actions to get Bradley Beal on the move, catching the ball, and then coming off the screen. Um, that's really, really hard to guard for a center. Um, you saw, like, early in the season when the Wizards played the Jazz, like, Rudy Gobert struggled with that a little. Um, getting Bradley Beal moving around and getting the center moving around and then coming into an action, um, combining those two together, um, making the center kind of move out on the floor and then try to backpedal with Bradley Beal or just, like, stick with him with his flips already hipped, um, giving an angle towards basket. Like, that's really, really tough to defend for any big. Um, and, like, Brooke Lopez is one of the best defensive bigs in the league. Um, he did not do a great job against Riley Beal tonight. Um, and then when Bobby Portis is in against Riley Beal, like, I just forget about it. <laughs> like, Bobby Portis has a little bit more athleticism, um, but he's just, like, not very good defensively. He's not a great rim protector. Um, so that's a really, really tough matchup. Also, Beal just did a great job of trying to, like, initiate contact and then trying to finish through it um, or just, you know, get the draw the foul um, by initiating contact. Like, he's gotten really, really good at that. Um, also, kind of just, like, the way he jumps um, kind of does draw fouls. Um well, getting the line 14 times is awesome, and he made 11. Um, Russell Westbrook also did a good job of um, attacking. Like, he got a couple of free throws just based on, like, off of, like, flopping as <laughs> as he was shooting the ball. But, like, you know, that free throws are free throws. Like, getting to the line is a skill in this league. There's a reason why the best players get to the line the most often. It's not because they're getting favorable calls, but it's because they know how to create advantages and they know how to manipulate, like, the referees and, like, what they see. Like, refereeing is, like, a insanely hard job um so Westbrook kind of flings his arms around as he's shooting like even if he doesn't get much contact like he's gonna get the call just because like it just looks so unnatural um and you know that's that's a skill um Gafford had seven free throw attempts and he only played 14 minutes like Gafford is aggressive when he's out there that's what he does um that's the thing I love about Daniel Gafford I'll talk about him a little bit more later um and then Garrison Matthews had six free throw attempts I think so he got fouled on two threes um the thing about Garrison Matthews when he shoots a three is that he jumps forward like four feet so it's literally impossible to contest his shots. Um, if you're like trying to close out and he's shooting, it's just like impossible. And then he like falls down every single time. I don't know how you guard that because then the referees always think that you're in his landing area, but his landing area is coming towards you. Well, as you're trying to close out, like what are you supposed to do? Like guys move out of the way and stuff. And like, it's, I don't understand how like that something needs to be done about stuff like that. Um, like I get protecting shooters because it is really dangerous to step under them, but if they're going to jump forward four feet, the way Garrison Matthews does, like it's impossible to defend. Um, but I loved what Scott Brooks did, like closing the game with Garrison Matthews. That's something that I've been asking for. Um, so let's talk about how this game closed super quick. Um, I want to go through the play by play the last minute of the game. Um, so I want to start with one minute left. First of all, Giannis was fouled out by this point. Um, Russell Westbrook drew a charge. It was a pretty weak call, um, but, you know, charge is charge, I guess. Um, so with one minute to go, after timeout, the Wizards ran... Ooh, I don't remember if it's called Ricky or Wiper. I think... Okay, so either Ricky or Wiper is a down screen into a flare. Um, that's what the Wizards ran. 
I don't remember which one's which, um, but like they're both basically like one of them is a flare into a downscreen, one of them is down into a flare. Um, the Wizards ran whichever one was a downscreen into a flare um, to get BL wide open shot. I love that action. The Wizards do that like sometimes on the ball, um, and then they also do it sometimes off the ball. Like that's a really good action. So Beal got a three at that point. So they're down five going into that play, and then Beal hit a three to put them down 133 to 131. The next play, Gafford did a bad job coming to the level of the screen against Drew Holiday, um, who was four for seven from three, I believe, at that point. Um, so, like, I'll, I, again, I, I keep saying, I keep teasing. I've been talking about Darren Gafford, but um, so Drew Holiday missed that shot, though. And then um, the Wizards got the rebound, the next play down. Um, so Westbrook pushed the pace, pushed the ball up the court, gave it a little drop down pass to Daniel Gafford. Um, this is where, you know, Gafford needs to get a little, little bit stronger. Um, he got, you know, he eventually got shot up, but it was blocked by Drew Holiday. Um, he got the rebound, and then he got blocked again by Pat Connaughton, and then it went out of bounds off him. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that didn't go well. Um, the next play down, um, Drew Holiday, like he attempted this really, really tough step back against Howell Neto, who played really good defense on him on the switch. Um, and then Brooke Lopez got the rebound as like, um, he got inside position against Daniel Gafford. Um, and they kind of just pushed him out of the way, um, you know, using his grown man strength against Daniel Gafford, you know, 21 year old, 22 year old, however old he is strength. Um, and then he got a dunk to put, um, the Milwaukee Bucks up 135 to 131. Wizards caught a timeout. Um, they ran a little play for Beal um, for him to get an open shot. Like that's what, okay, first of all, on the broadcast, they're asking, do you shoot a quick two? You're down by four points and there's seven seconds left. You need the quickest three you can possibly get to give yourself a chance to win the game, especially if you have no timeouts left. And like I give credit to the Wizards because that's exactly what they did. They ran a play to get Beal a shot. He did not hesitate for a second. He shot it. Um, that's what you have to do to give yourself a chance to win. If you don't do that, you have no shot at winning. Like you just don't. Um, so the, he made the shot credit to Beal credit to Scott Brooks for drawing up a play to get Beal that shot. Um, so at that point, the wizards are down by one. Um, they turn the ball over. Um, and then how Neto got a steal, but he stepped on the baseline as he was stealing the ball, um, after cutting off a pass. Um, and then, Yeah. So the Bucks caught a timeout. They drew up a play. They just like lobbed it at the rim towards um, Robin Lopez. They figured like, yeah, if we turn it over, like it's going to be a 60-foot shot. Um, and it was a 51-foot shot from Garrison Matthews that almost went in, um, but it didn't. And you can't really expect that to go in. Um, but yeah, like like I said earlier, you live with the result of that game. Um, Wizards executed their game plan. Um, and, you know, if the other team makes a bunch of threes, like it, like if you lose because Pat Content made two threes down the stretch, um, then you just you lose from that, like. What are you going to do? Um, so, yeah, I guess the first person that I really want to talk about is Bradley Beal. Um, I have I have notes. So I talked about, okay, Middleton. Um, yeah, so I want to talk about Holiday and Bradley Beal. Um, Bradley Beal is really, really good coming off screens um, and, like, coming off off-ball screens um, and getting into actions with um, Drew Holiday trailing him. Um, that's tough for Drew Holiday. Um, but I think that a ton of credit does have to go to Drew Holiday. Like, he was the main initiator on offense in this game. Um, a lot of that was because Middleton was out, so he didn't really have as much help as normal. And then, like, Giannis, like, was straight up just, like, exhausted, like, this whole entire game. Um, but for Drew Holiday to be defending Bradley Beal all game long and, like, not get killed, um, like, Bradley Beal scored 42 points, but a lot of that was from tough shot making. Like, not all of that was on Drew Holiday. Um, some of that was just because of Bucks pick and roll scheme. Like, they do kind of drop back a little bit, but also the bigs aren't great at getting out on the floor. Um, so it kind of opens up the lane up a little bit for Bradley Beal to get downhill and get into the paint and score. Um, also, like, 
other guys regarding Bradley Beal. Like it wasn't just all Drew Holiday. And then down the stretch, Drew Holiday did a fantastic job on Bradley Beal on making sure he didn't touch the ball. And if he did touch the ball, making sure that he couldn't get anything self-created. Like Bradley Beal struggled a little bit self-creating just in an isolation against Drew Holiday. Um, but he's gotten really, really good at like setting up his man to use ball screens and then attacking downhill after that. Um, and that's where he got most of his points. Um, so all the credit in the world goes to that. Um, but looking at a shot chart, so Bradley Beal was five for nine from inside the restricted area, um, four of six from floater range, two of three from mid range, and then three of six from behind the arc. So like there was a little bit of unsustainable shooting there. Um, but you know, that's going to happen sometimes like Bradley Beal's last game wasn't great in terms of shooting. Um, so, you know, there's kind of a give and take there. Um, the one, like I was really, really impressed with Drew Holiday's shot making in this game. Um, like the off to the dribble creation is not particularly his strongest skill. Um, but it is something that he has. Um, he's more of like a tertiary secondary guy, maybe, um, as a shot creator for himself. Um, but he stepped up tonight and he looked really, really good. Um, so he was two for four inside the restricted area, three or five from, um, in the paint outside the restricted area, one or three from mid range, and then four of eight from behind the arc. Um, the behind the three point line shooting was, was really impressive. Also just being able to consistently use screens, get into the teeth of defense and then make the right reads in terms of kickouts or drop downs. Um, that was impressive. Um, I love Drew Holiday. Like, I think that he's just so underrated. Um, and honestly, like, I think that he, like, if he was on the Bucks last year, I think that they'd make the finals pretty easily. Um, he's like kind of the piece that they're missing. Um, so it'll be really, really interesting to see what the Bucks do with him this year. Um, let's see who do I, I want to talk. Uh, I've been saying I want to talk about Dan Gafford. I do want to talk about Dan Gafford. Um, he played 14 minutes in this game. Um, Wait, no. Okay, so first, I keep saying that. I do want to talk about Dan Gafford, but I want to talk about how the Wizards defended Giannis because I think that it was really, really interesting. Um, so they were switching a lot against Giannis, um, which feels weird, right? But I think it made sense um, because if there's one thing that you want to bait Giannis into, it's taking that like mid-range turnaround 10-footer. Um, so if you, I want to pull up Giannis's shot chart super quick. Um, so he was 8 for 9 from <laughs> right inside the restricted area, 0 of 2 from... Um, floater range, O of two from mid-range, and then O of two from behind the arc. If you can either A, prevent Giannis from getting all the way inside by just sending tons of help, or B, bait him into shooting that little like tough like turnaround 10-foot mid-range jump shot, then you win the possession. What the Wizards were doing was that they had, every time Giannis touched the ball, or basically a lot of times, so the Bucks had a ton of inverted screens for Giannis, or they have Giannis set a lot of ball screens, um, kind of to like get a mismatches. The Wizards were fine giving up those switches, as long as the guys that were switching were preventing Giannis from catching the ball too close to the basket. When Giannis caught the ball, they were kind of sending, they're dragging help over, like pre-rotating over a little bit towards Giannis, um, sending pre-help. Um, so then whenever he drove, there would be help there immediately. Um, and that worked well, um, except for the fact that when Giannis passed out of the post or passed out of the mid post or, you know, passed out of whenever he got the ball, um, the defense is already in rotation. They're already closing out. And there's one thing the Wizards are not good at. They're not good at closeouts. Um, but like the, a lot of the Bucks looks like they shot the ball really, really well, like better than expected. But a lot of the looks were open. I mean, a lot of that is based off of like what Giannis was able to do. Um, just the defense focusing, like keying in so much on Giannis, like you have to leave something. You have to have some element um, something I do talk about a lot is risk assessment. Um, would you rather just be playing Giannis one-on-one with Anthony Gill, or would you rather have Giannis kicking out to Dante DiVincenzo shooting a three? I would rather have Dante DiVincenzo shooting a three than have, you know, Anthony Gill guarding Giannis. Um, if you want to say that the execution on the um, closeout should have been better, absolutely. If you want to say the execution on the rotation should have been better, yeah, probably. Um, but I do like the game plan. I like the overall strategy. 
I like the thinking from Scott Brooks. You had a day to prepare for this game, um, and I think that that was smart um, to do that. Like, Giannis didn't kill you. Um, what killed you was, you know, three-point shooting variance. Like, and that's not really on you. Um, so I like that game plan. Um, so now I am going to talk about Daniel Gafford. Um, Daniel Gafford, I think Daniel Gafford at this point in time amongst Wizards Twitter is insanely overrated. I think he's clearly not at the level of a starting with center. Um, but in a game like this, I think that he's clearly your best option at center. Um, so the so here's what so what Gafford does well is that he can run. He has a really really high motor. Um, he can rebound offensively, and he can catch lobs. Um, he really really you know spaces the floor in terms of like verticality because. Um, he's like the Wizards' clear biggest lot threat. So then that makes the weak side have to tag. It kind of like sends the defense into a little more rotation and pick and rolls. Um, he's a better like, you know, just rim runner um, in transition, which is like fits really, really well with what Russell Westbrook wants to do. Um, and then he can he's a good rim protector when he's in position. He jumps straight up um, where he's bad is that he needs to get a lot stronger. Um like, that's a big work. Like, he's in his second year in the league. Like, you got to remember that. And, like, what is he, like, 21 now? Um, like, yeah, his lower body strength and his core strength is a big issue right now. Um, and that showed on that last play of the game with, like, Brooke Lopez just absolutely moving him out of the way to get the rebound and get the, like, game ceiling dunk pretty much. Um, but, you know, he's in his second year. Like, you, but, like, if you think he's that guy now, he's not. Um, and then the, another thing, the IQ um, just needs to get better defensively. Um, the communication needs to get better. Like he's bad in pick and roll coverage right now, just because he doesn't necessarily always know what he's doing. He isn't necess- he doesn't he's bad at execution and pick and roll coverage, and then he's bad at like just no. Like I think I just said knowing what he's doing. Um, but yeah, pick and roll coverage is like it's ugly, especially if you're playing against a guy like Drew Holiday or a guy where he needs to come up to level the screen. It's consistently poor. Um, it's like he consistently just like doesn't execute the coverage. He doesn't come up high enough to the level. You saw that against like Steph Curry. He sometimes he just comes up too high and he just gets blown by. Um, he's not a good switch guy right now because the footwork is so bad. His footwork is atrocious on the perimeter. He's a great athlete. His footwork sucks. Um, he can't really flip his hips. He, like he's not super super flexible. Even though he's a really really great runner in a straight line, he's a great leaper. Um, so like he needs to improve his flexibility. I don't know if he can actually do that. Um, but that's something he needs to do. He needs to get like better in the stance. His hips, like his center of gravity is a little bit high. Um, so we'll kind of see if that can get fixed at all. But like Gafford is a long, what I'm trying to say is that also like whenever Gafford dribbles, it's bad. Whenever he has to make a decision, it's usually not good. Um, so like on the ball, like you don't want him like catching the ball in a short roll. You don't want him running delay. Um, it's ugly. Um, so Gafford's a long ways away from being a star level guy. But what I will say is that he gives you a little bit of an element of defensive versatility um, and he gives you an element of vertical spacing that the Wizards kind of need in a game like this. In a game where the Bucks are going to gonna like play a drop of Brook Lopez, um, you need to challenge that. You need to challenge that with someone that can go up and get it. Like you in the Bucks, like they're not going to run back in transition defense on a back, like back to back with like even guys like PJ Tucker and Brooke Lopez. You need to be, be able to attack that with someone like Gafford. Like I really think that Gafford maybe should have started in this game, um, even though like he has tons of flaws. But this is like the type of game where he should have played more. Like playing in 14 minutes to me doesn't really make any sense. And I'm like probably one of the biggest Gafford critics out there. Um, but yeah, I don't really get that. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about Giannis's defense. Um, so Giannis has six fouls in this game. Some of those were kind of weird. Um, but Giannis is just like a ridiculously good defender. Um, but yeah. So what I want to do, what I do want to talk about is some of the Bucks lineup versatility that they have. Um, 
So down the stretch before Giannis fouled out, they're playing a lineup with Drew Holiday, Dante Divin, no, not Dante DiVincenzo because he fouled out. So it was Drew Holiday, Bryn Forbes, Pat Connaughton, Jeff Teague, and Giannis at the five. That's a scary looking lineup. Um, I wouldn't want to play against that lineup. Um, but yeah, so I don't think that that lineup practiced very much together. Uh, I would have loved to see Giannis just like absolutely destroy as like, you know, setting screens and rolling. Um like with Drew Holiday and then like have Bryn Forbes in the weak side corner um, and just absolutely destroy teams that way. They didn't necessarily do that. Um, it was a little bit too much like stagnation with that unit out there. Again, I think that they're just like not really familiar with each other. Um, but when that lineup got out in transition, uh, like when they got a stop, it was scary. Um, the Bucks also did like they ran a little bit with PJ Tucker and Giannis at the four and the five. Um, I think that that's like what they're going to need to do in the playoffs to really, really win games. Um, PJ Tucker didn't really do much in this game. Um, only played 20 minutes. Um, he does bring like something that's really interesting to this team, though, in terms of his defensive versatility combined with Giannis' defensive versatility. I think that's a terrifying lineup. Um, the Bucks also ran um, zone a little bit, um, and they ran it with Giannis at the top. <laughs> Giannis at the top of the zone is like with Drew Holiday is probably the most horrifying thing I've ever thought of in my life. Like the Wizards did not do well against that. I don't know why the Bucks went away from that. Um, but like the only person that scored against the zone was like Bradley Beal and then like Garrison Matthews, I think made a three. Um, but it was weird. Like at one point, like Bertans was out there against the zone. Like if I'm playing against the zone and I'm the Wizards, I just put Garrison Matthews out there and Bertans out there and just wreak havoc by them, like cutting through, um, stuff like that, like sending like hammers, um, you know, like sending down screens, like, um, fill and replace. Like, I don't know, like the, the Wizards just aren't creative. Like they're not great against the zone. Like Russell Westbrook is actually good against the zone because he can cause, like, if you had Westbrook in there with Garrison Matthews and Dallas Rutans, like, and Westbrook was just penetrating the zone and kicking out to those two guys, um, I think that's awesome. Um, but the Wizards didn't really go to that. Um, but they're lucky the Bucks went away from that zone. Um, one thing I will say about the Wizards is that, like, Anthony Gill flashing the high post is not a threat. Um, if you want to flash someone to the high post, they have to be a threat to do something. I really, really like Westbrook flashing there, but I like Westbrook more on the perimeter. Um, if you want a Beal flashing there, I'm fine with that. I don't know who else you would like Neto maybe. Um, but something that's a little bit interesting, like amongst coaches that I've seen them talking about is like, do we want someone at that high post? Um, because that kind of fills up space. And if you, if there's one place that you want to get the ball to is in that high post, but if you can get it as a driver, that's much more valuable than getting as a stagnated guy and having to turn like, that's kind of an awkward position to be in at that high post. Um, so if you can get there, like if you just catch the ball there with your back turned to the basket, right. But if you can get there as a driver and all of a sudden you like see the whole entire, like you can see both corners, you can see the basket, like that's a really, really, really good place to be. Um, so there's kind of been a little bit of discourse about that. Like I would personally just leave that space open and just have Westbrook try to like split the, split the top or kind of drive in through the slot. Um, cause I think that does make more, more sense, um, in terms of attacking his own. Um, but yeah, I got to think about, um, what else I wanted to talk about. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, there's one thing. So the Wizards closed this game with Bradley Beal, Howell Neto, um, Russell Westbrook, uh, Daniel Gafford and who else is it? Garrison Matthews. Um, at that point, I think Neto's a little bit redundant in terms of closing if he's not just going to be stuck on Drew Holiday, if you're going to switch a lot. Like, why does he need to be out there? He's, if he's only really particularly out there to defend, and then maybe hit an open shot. Um, put Bertans out there um, is what I would have done because I think, so the Wizards closed one game. I don't remember which game it was, but they closed a the game with Garrison Matthews, Dodds Bertans, um, Westbrook Beal, and Gafford. Like, that was awesome. I think that that's got to be the closing lineup. Um, just push as much shooting as you can on the floor, um, vertical, vertical spacing with Daniel Gafford, 
um, you know, putting pressure downhill with Westbrook and then Beal, just the ultimate shot creator. Like, I think that's a really, really good lineup. The defense in that lineup is a struggle, but if you kind of just run people off the line, try to funnel them into Gafford as much as possible, and then you live with mid-range pull-up jumpers, I think that's kind of the way to go with that kind of lineup in there. Um, but then obviously you have to kind of rely more on Dan Gafford, first of all, being in the right position, second of all, staying out of foul trouble. And then you have to rely on like weak side Taz from Bertans um, and Garrison Matthews um, and Bradley Beal and ha- Russell Westbrook. Um, yeah, like that's the lineup I would roll with, or at the very least experiment with it, because I think that putting as much shooting around Russell Westbrook makes, like obviously makes a ton of sense. Um, and then just like the Wizards offense gets really, really stagnant late in games. Having those two guys out there, like setting flares for each other, setting hammers for each other, um, you know, setting pin downs, like wide pin downs, and like having those two guys both at the same time, like setting a stagger for Bradley Beal, like stuff like that. Like you can get so imaginative with stuff like, Imagine one side of the floor, you have Daniel Gafford coming to set a step up for Russell Westbrook. On the other side of the floor, you have Bradley Beal coming off a stagger from um, Garrison Matthews and Bertans. And then you can like run a hammer off that. You can cut them through. Like you can do so many things with that kind of lineup in terms of like offensive, like versatility. And, like there's, I don't know, like I could go crazy sitting here, like coming up with players that they, those five could run together. Like I think that's a, a unit that you need to put out there if I'm Scott Brooks. Um, but the Wizards didn't, and I was a little bit disappointed. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to go through my notes, and then that'll be that. We're 27 minutes in. Okay, so I'll go through my notes real quick. Um, Gil started on Giannis, and everyone should know where to help talk about that. Um, <laughs> I wrote in my notes, hey, Russ, going under holiday ball screens isn't going to work, um, and it didn't. <laughs> um, love the Bucks using it. Yeah, so the Bucks at the beginning of the game were using Giannis and P.J. Tucker to guard Russell Westbrook and kind of played free safety. I don't know why they went away from that. I thought that was really smart. Um yeah, I talked about that. Um, Bucks really starting to exploit the Wizards, shading over to Giannis. They're getting a ton of open shots. Um, Wizards had to make a value proposition at some point, um, and they did. They kind of just let it happen, um, and then they lost. Like, I agree with that, though. Like, I 100% agree with the value proposition that the Wizards made. Um, shot making from both teams so far has been really good. Yeah, uh, it continued. Um, Wizards have a shade have to shade over on Giannis because they're giving up switches so easily. Uh, I mean, either way, like, I kind of disagree with my own note. <laughs> Because um, either way, you had to shade over on Giannis because your primary matchup on him is like Anthony Gill or uh, whoever was coming off the bench. <laughs> like, I don't know, like Isak Bonga. Like, that, those aren't favorable matchups. Um, I don't love the Bucks um, auto benching Dante DiVincenzo with three fouls. That aged badly because he fouled out anyways. Um, Isak Bonga coming in to guard Giannis has been a pleasant surprise, but they're still getting up switches. Yeah, like if you have a defensive substitution in there to guard Giannis, you have to keep him, like, don't give them switches. That's, then he's like, what's the purpose of Bonga being out there? Um, Beal's killing as a shot creator right now, yeah. Um, I wrote, Tanasis is fun in the dunker spot because he tries to dunk everything. Um, taking the dunker spot to the next level, Tanasis Santa Antetokounmpo. Um, you know, he has a high motor. He plays hard. Not necessarily the most skilled guy. Still didn't have a jumper. Um, but he's fun to watch. Um, Beal's still cooking. He's really getting into the point, into the paint and finishing well, yeah. Holiday is killing. He's hurting switches with his strength and handle. Holiday is insanely strong. Um, again, I love, <laughs> I love me some Drew Holiday. Um, Robin Lopez is playing a drop against Giannis and just asking for trouble. Yeah, like if you play drop, you have to against Giannis, and you just let Giannis get downhill on you. You have to be a better athlete than Robin Lopez against that. That was a disaster when the Wizards went to that at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Um, Bucks goes on with counts at the top. It's absolutely horrifying. <laughs> yeah, I talked about that. Um, Matthews in late in the game. He's clearly one of the better options on this team. He, um, yeah, so like in terms of talking about who should be closing the game over like on this team over Garrison Matthews, like clearly not Bonga, clearly not Winston, clearly not Ish Smith, clearly not Robin Lopez, and clearly not Hutchison. Um, then you get down to like Neto. I would rather probably, depending on the team and situation, 
Um, because that's interesting because Neto's a little bit of a better point of attack guy against like stronger guards. Um, so it kind of depends on what you need. Like if you say like he's a better point of attack guy against stronger guards, and then you have Drew Holiday on the team. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, but definitely over Len and definitely over Gill. Um, so like I think Garrison Matthews should be a fringe guy in the closing lineup, and like he's not really in the rotation right now, which I think is stupid. <laughs> um, and then Bucks are now. Going four guards run. You guys talk about that. Okay, so that's all. That's going to do it for this episode. Um, oh, one quick thing super quickly is that the Wizards passed the Pacers in the standings. Um, tonight, Pacers are absolutely imploding right now. Like, go check out the video on, like, it's all around Twitter of um, Goga Batadze. And I don't remember that coach's name, um, but they, like, were kind of going at it. Um, there's been reports about Nate Bjorkman potentially being fired at the end of the season. Like, it's looking really, really ugly in Indiana right now. Um, so hopefully the Wizards are going to, like, even if they play them, like, and they're the nine seed. Like, I can't imagine that team is going to be doing that well at that point in the season, like two weeks from now. Um, and then the Wizards are going to have like a one game shot to get in the playoffs. So that's going to be exciting. Um, but yeah, the next Wizards game is tomorrow against the Raptors. Um, I have a podcast coming out that night or the next day. Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hoops Wizards Pod. I'll see you next time.